You are now vibing with Choose Peace, a podcast dedicated to the fighter in you, a safe space of girl talk, meaningful conversation, shared life experiences, and genuine practical encouragement to support you in the daily fight to choose peace. I am your host, B. So go ahead and fill your cup, coffee mug, or a glass for that matter. And let's talk. Hi, my lovelies. This week's episode of Choose Peace, the podcast, briefly mentions sexual abuse and childhood abuse. If you or someone you know has any experience or is suffering with the fallout of these instances, I want you to know that you are not alone and we are here for you and to seek help where help is available. Help is readily and always available. Love you. Hey, my lovelies. Welcome back. I'm B, and this is Choose Peace, the podcast. If this is your first time listening, welcome, welcome, welcome. If you're returning and you're back for the vibes, what's up? Y'all already know I get straight into it. I don't waste no time. This session, let's discuss the role that mental health plays in our lives as millennial women, um, specifically in the areas of becoming our best selves, breaking generational curses, and making the choice to live, and not just live, but live peacefully, of course. So, because that's what we're all about here on Choose Peace, the podcast. That's the vibes that we strive for. So, The CDC defines mental health as our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. They go on to say that it affects how we think, feel, and act, and also determines how we handle stress, relate to to others, and make healthy choices. They also include the note that mental health is important at every stage of life, from childhood and adolescence throughout adulthood. We are constantly on the move to grow ourselves to be better, to reinvent our image and evolve our beings. The message is all around us. It's plastered on the cover of health magazines. Large fan bases and followings are built behind it on social media. And it's not necessarily a bad thing because If we're being stagnant, then what are we doing, right? And to be honest, there's always room for improvement. And I guess it's just a natural human thing of evolution. Mental health has in part become this fad, you know, the all too craze. And I think it started as a way to fight the stigma that was placed on mental health. Like the generation before us didn't always have the tools available to improve their mentals. In fact, many of the households we come from were just trying to make it and make ends meet, barely being afforded the tools to just live and any additional out-of-pocket costs for something that we can't physically put our finger on and bandage or touch or operate on was just out of the question. So instead, if you're from a family like I'm from, you went to church. And our religion and our faith became our therapist, our counselor. And don't get me wrong, for those of you that are in faith, 
Praying helps. Yes, leadership and guidance from your pastor or your Sunday school teacher can definitely help because not only do we find comfort in the lessons that we grew up on, but we find comfort in our elders. However, unlike our elders, we have so many more tools available to us. We have the opportunity to understand how our body and our mind processes work together. We're not just surviving. Or if we are, we have the desire and the actual opportunity to do more with our lives than just survive. And of course, it's easier said than done. It does cause a stress on us that our parents or grandparents may not necessarily understand because In their time, they just did what had to be done and anything else just got pushed to the side or pushed to the back burner. And, you know, they just lived. I think this is where we overhear our moms on the phone with our aunties or, you know, oh, she called herself being depressed, you know. And in some ways, that mentality gets transposed onto us especially when it comes to our religion. And I'm, I'm speaking about Christianity because that's where I came from. So we get told to pray about it. We get told that maybe we need to go on a fast, that you know we're not living a godly lifestyle. And that is why we experience some of the emotions and heartaches and depressive episodes that we experience. Praying does help. I'm not saying praying doesn't help. You know, Meditating and unplugging to center ourselves can allow us to become clearer. Receiving direction from an elder can also set us upright, but still there's no problem with reaching outward and teaming up with doctors who are professionals and have dedicated their life works to being supports to people who are struggling with or trying to grasp control of their mental health or even just wanting to reach the next level of themselves. I have the privilege and the honor of having spent considerable time with my elders. In fact, my great grandmother has been blessed to see 93 years on this earth this past February. And over our countless conversations throughout the years, she has experienced a spectrum of life that most of us only read about, you know, a dark and and rich history cataloged in just black and white photos in some cases. And honestly, if I put together conversations that I've had with my aunts, my great aunts, my older cousins, my mom, my grandmother, I think in a way they try to guide us and lead us, not just how they were taught, but oftentimes maybe to direct us away from the mistakes that they made. And it's through these interactions that sometimes even years and years later, we can reflect on and finally grasp the golden nugget of the conversation. Right. Or we start to witness the sprouting of the seed that was planted back then. We didn't get it then. But one day, you know, we woke up and was like, oh, wait, wow. okay, I get it now. I'm a firm believer that each generation is meant to be better than the previous that we have a calling as this current generation to set things up differently and better for those that are coming after us. If I really contemplate on some of the most intimate conversations that I've had with the women in my life, I could probably say some of those lessons that I learned may have come from places of regret. 
that sometimes we also tend to be lived vicariously through and it comes out as these learn from me type conversations. Nonetheless, even with all of this knowledge that we gain from these life stories of those closest to us, we still end up with our own emotions, our own feelings and our own experiences, not to mention hella questions, right? That need answers that we may not necessarily find at home base. If you have found yourself at this crossroad, I would recommend a few things and you all should know me by now. You know, I'm coming with the book references. I am a reader. I'm not by any means, um, supported financially by these authors or these books. They're just books that I've read in my own time, paid for my own money and they've helped me. So two books that I also read simultaneously that were life-changing for me were What Happened to You by Bruce Perry and Oprah Winfrey and Mark Wolin's It Didn't Start With You. Again, not sponsored by or receiving any commission from the mentioning of these books, just based off of my own experience with them. But they were complete life changers for me. They are conversational and they really just break down how we experience things in our mental from our life experience on the neurological level. And and then they also give practical how-to tools and steps to get to the next level, whether that that is in understanding, healing, or just overall bettering ourselves. Secondly, I would also recommend seeking out therapy. And maybe in a later podcast session, I'll explain how I ended up ghosting my therapist twice. But for now, the point that I'm making is that seeking a counselor or a professional in this area can be the best thing for us, especially if we are willing to do the work. Many times we wait until post-trauma, right? After something bad has happened and then we seek therapy to heal from that traumatic experience. And that's good. That's what we're supposed to do. It helps a lot, of course. But even when everything is seemingly good, Therapy can help us to get to the next level and that next version of ourselves that will just elevate us that much more. Therapy can help us put our lives into perspective. It can help us also to take a step back and look at the bigger picture, understand our past, what it is, loosely plan out our future. Okay, but to keep in mind, the overall goal is to neither neither stay there in the past or the future, but to be present and understanding those two for what they are and how they are essential for us to be in the present. Having the outlet of a therapist to talk to can be beneficial because that's a space there where we can be encouraged, where we can be held accountable and not cause any ill feelings or additional stress for those in our close circle. And Here's what I mean by that. Not everyone in our circles are on the exact same path or in the same place on their paths in life. We all go through different things at different stages. So while Sierra is experiencing growth and abundance in her child-free sugar daddy-fueled life, Melissa might be about to go through a divorce and starting completely over after leaving a domestic situation while Levon may be making the decision to 
quit her amazing day job to start a travel blog and live off the land. And Christina may be embarking on her first time being a mom as a single parent. You know, it's great to have a tribe that we all feel confident enough that we can have a wind down with or go to happy hour and either relax or toss some stories around or girl trip with to recharge and reconnect and, and encourage. But we might not always hold a free space for someone to fully let go and release unto us. To better explain, like, it's become a good practice in our friendships that when we get that phone call and we hear that characteristic on the other end, you know, we're prompted to say, hey, do you want advice or do you just want to vent? Or if we're on that calling in, we may even say, hey, do you have the space to hold what I'm about to lay down? Because that's just being conscious and considerate of each other's mental capacity and space. But if you're like me, it's just easier to not have my loved ones worry about me. And, and for the love of all that is good, it's a side note, your partners cannot be your only escape. Okay. In the arena of therapy, that's a given. You don't have to worry about that. I'm not saying you have to look at your friends upside the head like, girl, you don't ever hold no space for me. I'm looking at you different. No, we just have to understand that people go through different seasons in their lives and we're all on different planes within these timelines. But with a therapist, that's a given. Your session is your session. And I know in the economy that we are currently in, money doesn't grow on trees and we might be, just be trying to make it or make it back from what COVID set us back or Girl, I just have to pay my vacation. <laughs> you know what I mean? So here's something practical that I did before I began therapy. I price sessions both virtual and in, per in person. And I started doing 2020. So I leaned more towards virtual sessions. And on average, my costs were about $90 a session. So I looked at my previous six months expenses. I pulled my bank statements and I categorized everything from bills, um, rent, maintenance, car maintenance, expenses, groceries, eating out, entertainment, coffee runs, self-care, you name it. Um, and I started to chip away and make a monthly plan to find the cost of two therapy sessions a month. And I made it happen. This also caused me to create and stick to a better financial plan for myself, which we may also discuss in a later session soon. But it's important to know also, once you figure out the budgeting and the, and the cost of paying for therapy, that there's no one size fit all therapist. It's literally shopping for a therapist. I would say piece of the characteristics that you would want in your therapist sitting across from you. You may want a woman of color. You may want her to be a millennial. If you want to share the same religious belief, you know, if you wanted to have natural hair, I mean, draw them up and then go and do your research. Um, also be mindful of the type of therapy that you may be looking for or need because therapists don't always operate in all areas. So definitely look into what they are certified in and what their experience is in. Then take a note that you might not nail it in the first session. And I'm sure that being in that field, they understand, you know, especially after the first time I, I ghosted my therapist. Um, I think I ghosted her for like six weeks or so. And then I went back to her, y'all. She was so understanding. We unpacked it. And then we picked up where we needed to pick up at, you know. But there's also so many different forms of therapy. And the study itself has grown so much in just the past decade or so. 
I can vaguely remember going to a therapist as a child, you know, and my experience just put me off to it until like my late 20s. And the impression was that lasting. But I was, of course, at a different place in my life and I had made the decision to invest in myself and my mental health. So things were a little different as an adult. But consequently, I have not spoken to one person in my adult life that has said, B, therapy was the absolute worst thing that ever happened to me. No, nobody has said that ever. It's quite the opposite. When we are approached with this opportunity to step back and look at the bigger picture of our lives, of our past and where we've come from to where we currently are, okay, and then on to where we want and desire to grow to, we can sometimes be confronted with the idea of generational curses. In the past six months, I've read at least five biographies, autobiographies, and memoirs that have only helped me to better understand myself and the general person's life experiences overall. No matter the age, career, social background, upbringing, I've come to have this deafening revelation and where I was confronted with this idea that made sense, but it was also hella frightening. For those that will believe in all others, I'm just asking you to have um, an open mind here. A generational curse is an ailment or happening, um, a habit or behavior that seemingly follows a bloodline or a family tree. Specifically, um, in the area of childhood trauma or sexual abuse, there is a scary instance of it being so common and prevalent that it's almost as if it's this like, sick, you know, rite of passage thing. According to Black Women's Blueprint, the Truth Commission on Black Women and Sexual Violence uh, in 2012, 40 to 60% of Black women report being subjected to coercive sexual contact by the age of 18. And digging a little deeper in that, you'd be shocked to find out how many of those offenders were relatives or people that were known and close to the family. You'd be shocked at how many women you know have experienced a trauma in their lives that has stunted their mental in some way, form, or fashion and haven't seek therapy or help. The identification of some generational curses can be apparent and easily pointed out, but then others are very difficult due to the very taboo of their nature. For me, though, I welcomed this idea early on for subtle addictions like alcoholism, drugs or gambling specifically. You know, I've experimented with my choices here and there, but just naturally for me, nothing stuck. And some elders may say, you know, someone was praying for you. And I'm sure that might be the case because. I, too, find myself meditating and requesting of the universe and almighty being to steer certain experiences away from my children. So I get it. I know my I got a praying grandmother. Right. And nothing happens by happenstance. I'm a firm believer that there's a reason why my body just will not pick up a bottle every day or why that one time I lost six dollars and seventy three cent on the penny machine at the casino caused me to never Go back. <laughs> like, no, no, thank you. While 
breaking generational curses can be a major breakthrough for the future of a bloodline. It is also a heavy weight for one to carry. It's very isolating. Not everyone will understand your reasoning for the way you move. And sometimes you may garner some resistance in the form of claims that you think you're better than others or, you know, just what have you. And in our culture, unfortunately, that's a thing. But what breaking generational curses is also is freeing. And once you get a little taste of freedom, that's it. It's no going backwards, right? It's almost as if you're taking off blinders and you're seeing everything and everyone in a new light. You have more questions than ever, but you've gotten the steam power to gather more answers, even about mistakes that you yourself made, you know, and you realize that there's a different way of living available. So you choose. You choose to live differently. And if I could be candid here, I chose to live in peace after a very frightening mental experience because the mind is a battlefield. It is a very powerful tool. And for those of us that struggle with our life and understanding how our experiences have shaped us today, Things have the ability to take on a dark form, you know, and you add on top of that being an overthinker and an introvert. It's kind of like a cocktail for defeat and a super juice for depression. I literally said, well, if this is it, if I'm going to choose to be done, I'm going to choose this one last fight with myself, using all of the tools available to me and giving all that I have left. And it's been one day at a time. One foot in front of the other. It's it's my daily choice to create, protect, and live in my peace. Making sure my mental health is sound consistently has been crucial to the fact that I am the being that I am today. That I am the mother that I am here to be for my three babies. And also that I'm just not taking any shit that threatens the peace that I choose to live in, you know? I understand that this session may not be everyone's cup of tea, but I know that at least one person listening has had some part of this session resonate in their spirit or at the very least, the seed was sown. And I want you to know that you are not alone, that you are not crazy or imagining things. I encourage you to spend time with and Trust your spirit and your instincts. And one last thing before I finish this glass. It's okay to not be okay. It's perfectly normal to take a break and a breather away from this work because that's exactly what it is. Every now and then you just need to stop and and rest. Don't do things with the intentions of healing or growing or overcoming. You know, I'll just close up my office and walk out of my living room. You know, yesterday I just went down to the park and got on a swing and swung for a little bit, you know, just, or I completely just bypassed my office for the day and just, just be, whether we know it or not, that is, that is also a huge part in the grand scheme as well. But know this, even when you're not 
doing the work per se. You are worthy. You are magic and you are a whole vibe. With love, B.